When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply with Dr. Evan Alexander and his partner, Miss Karen Newell. We've been on, or we've, you guys have been on my podcast several times before, and I always love it. It's always, as I always tell you guys, it's like sitting around a campfire. The warmth that comes off you guys is palpable. And uh, mm-hmm. instead of uh, the interviews I normally do with ex-Special Forces assassins and nuclear weapons experts, sometimes it's good to back away from the insanity of this realm and instead, re- we're more love in this world. Yeah, you retreat into the heart a little bit. It's it's all fun and interesting, but sometimes it's like, okay, let's let's stop with the invasions and the pandemics, and the, let's where's the love? But where are my manners, Miss Newell? Please introduce yourself, and then Doctor Alexander, because I need to start well, using manners. <laughs> hi, everyone. I'm Karen Newell, and I'm co-founder of Sacred Acoustics and co-author with Eben of his third book, Living in a Mindful Universe. Just incredible. And everybody listening, because I have no manners now, I'm interrupting immediately. Those books will be in the description. They're fantastic. I actually personally like Living in a Mindful Universe more than uh, Proof of Heaven. I, that one resonates with me even even more, and we can get into that later. Dr. Eben Alexander, for all the new listeners. Well, thank you, Tommy. And, and to me, I many times in talks, I will say that the book Proof of Heaven is like a question mark, yes. but the real proof of heaven is in living in a mindful universe. That's where the science and the spirituality come together. So I'm glad to hear your uh, uh, statement that you really love living in a mindful universe because from my point of view, and I think Karen would agree, uh, that is really the, the main book taking this world forward. Um, and honestly, honestly, this idea of proof of heaven has always kind of bothered me because heaven is pretty much a Christian term. And so we've come in the U.S. Western world to kind of think of it as a generic term for the afterlife, but it's not. And so I think it's important to point out that the heaven we speak of is for everyone, all souls on earth, regardless of belief system. Sure. And ab- absolutely. And, and and well said. The so for every, everyone listening and the podcast, I can happily say has, has been growing by leaps and bounds. So whereas I normally would just say kind of instinctually, I'd be like for all the new listeners and there wouldn't really be any new listeners. But now there are new listeners um, for for Proof of Heaven. If you haven't read it, it's a, a very popular book. It's Dr. Evan Alexander's experience with a, uh, going into a coma for uh, several days and really with no reasoning, no medical reasoning, you should you should have in no way survived. And yet your experiences and recollections from there are more real than anything you've ever experienced here. I haven't had that through meditation. I've, I've told you before in past episodes, I've had experiences that make this living life seem like a foggy dream. Um, but to me, to me, proof of heaven is sort of like a, it's sort of like a first date, you know, it's, it's flirty, you know, there's, there's the sexual tension. It's all new. It's and then living in a mindful universe is like a more ossified, appreciative relationship. Like forty years later, and it's it's the it's that sort of you know it's not the there's not the spiky, but it's a very calm kind of concrete foundation to something. And you, you, go ahead. Sorry. So no, you can go. Well, what I was going to say is you kind of described Eben's uh, personal journey because when I first met him, and I think when he first came out of his coma, and when I first met him, he was just getting proof of heaven to a publisher. He was just this kind of raw energy, yeah. just so excited. And he, and he would talk about this spirituality with this kind of uh, new freshness as if all of us are just hearing about this for the first time. And it was sort of this naive innocence, um, I think, in the... Yeah, and so it's kind of like the uh, first card of the tarot deck, the fool. Yeah. But the fool is not to mean that someone is is um, uh, not smart. What it means is that their mind is completely open, and they are open to everything. And then over time, Eben kind of started to ground some of these 
um, concepts into his being. And he became, he has become calmer and he's become, I think, even more articulate at explaining how the science really supports all of this. And that's where living in a mindful universe, that's what's reflected there, I think. So it's funny how you, how you describe the books the same way I might describe Evan himself. But I I think it's, I think it's very accurate though. I mean, I look at like when I first decided not to go to medical school, early 2014, and then like lost her brother to suicide, took psychedelics. There was this whole, I mean, I, I mean, I was, I mean, you couldn't have a normal conversation with me five minutes in. I'd be talking about, I'd be like, Oh, we're all just love and we're opening up. And although I still a (laughs) hundred percent stand by all those statements, it's more measured now. It's it can flow out in a conversation where I am talking to someone and it doesn't pop up in the first three seconds. It might be two hours later or it might be two episodes later where it's but it, it doesn't mean I believe it any less. But, yeah, it's kind of more on on calm ground. It's like your hundredth presentation versus your first. You're just a lot more mm-hmm. measured and there's a confidence that you can't fake. So. Well, I would just volunteer that a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've worked with not only experiencers, but with other scientists studying consciousness around the world. So I've gained more and more yeah. kind of confidence and validation of the worldview that uh, I'm coming to on this. And uh, I think that is the part that's important for this world to understand that, you know, I'm not just this lone voice in the wilderness. There are hundreds of scientists participating. Maybe thousands. Uh, maybe thousands participating in this kind of expansion of our uh, cultural knowledge about ourselves and our relationship with the universe and the nature of reality. And I think part of that uh, assimilation and integration uh, is reflected with maybe a a bit more of a calm uh, and uh, easygoing approach about it. So that may be part of what you're saying. it's uh, It's like when there are different scientific discoveries that happen on different not now because there's instantaneous communication but like 2000 years ago when you know they would discover the same sort of physical properties whether you know about the flow of water or you know air pressure or you know chemistry and when they discovered in different areas it gives it a little more validation you're like oh you know the the pyramids in south america and in china and in egypt you're like noted pyramids okay so that's on on that note, I uh, I interviewed I interviewed uh, Dr. Dale Graff, who is the head of uh, the CIA uh, um, Star- yeah 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 Stargate project, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, read his book about it. And I mean, again, so it's one thing if I'm sitting here telling you about psychedelics, or it's you know Dr. Alexander waking up from his coma and telling you everything. When you talk to a guy who is the head of a CIA project during the Cold War, there's no room for flowery. I mean, it truly is the the men in black, like, you know, national security is at stake. And I interviewed him and I've also interviewed uh, a Delta Force operator who is very familiar with it. Again, a guy that's never smoked pot in his life is looks like a G.I. Joe, but he'll sit here and tell you just as as plain as he would tell you how to sight a gun and take out a target they'll tell you like oh yeah you have to focus the mind and intuition and you can manifest what you would like and it's just like timothy leary's supposed to say that not not you <laughs> like you know this is he'll, he'll look at you and just very straight face i mean he'll tell you how to build an explosive and then he'll tell you that everything's energy <laughs> and you're like <laughs> you're like what's going on but that's to me is like the multiple discoveries around the world i'm rambling but what i was getting to was Whereas that's proof of having living in a mindful universe is more solidified. And my favorite part about it is the idea that not only are are we here to learn lessons, much like college courses, but that we planned these lessons, either entirely or to an extent or to a little bit, different degrees. And that this isn't not only does everything happen for a reason you put yourself in this spot you like a training scenario like a delta force guy they would put you in a training scenario go okay uh you can't use your right hand let's pretend your right hand's been shot you know like and i always think about losing a brother to suicide and i thought about that before i ever read any of your books was was like was this an accident or like did i come into the and i had this like image in my head of like me and my three brothers 
like before we come into this realm and it's like almost like a football play like huddled up he's like all right you know when you guys are younger like i'm gonna take my life and you guys are gonna grow in this way and it's gonna cause this and now we're gonna meet hereafter like one two three break and like that gave me so much peace so you you bring up a beautiful point because it really is about relationships uh loved ones i mean these are where the deep lessons come from and ultimately as any indie ear will tell you based on that ambience that environment that you encounter in that infinitely loving force of light uh, on the other side this is truly all about love so that's ultimately the arbiter of of uh, all of our human interactions and it's all about lessons you're right in uh, in your story of of how you and your brothers kind of planned this and that includes uh, a tragic loss you know and, and people from the ego perspective have great difficulty accepting that they think wait a minute I would never really volunteer to come into a situation where my brother is going to commit suicide. And yet, at the deeper, higher soul level, in terms of lessons learned and taught and growth and transformation, you have made a beautiful observation about your own hardship. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And uh, as I told you guys before, I have a phone call to make at 1030. I'm going to turn my phone off. I think I'm just going to do the full hour with you guys. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm having more fun doing this. Um, but so with that, when I when that thought first broached my mind, it was I was very hesitant. And everybody listening can tell whenever I have on guests that I I really love, I fanboy and I start to talk a lot. So I'm going to try to slow it down a little bit. That idea, like you said, if you bring that up to someone else, and understandably so, the ego would, how dare you? You know, you know, you're making light of my tragedy. Why would I ever do that? And it's you can't. It's a realization you have to have on your own with with that. And now that I've accepted that with my brother, like an exercise, now is the time to up the weight. Now let's get back to, you know, where there's pain, there's growth. For all future listeners, today's Thursday, March 10th, 2022. How could we as a as a world try to look at what's going on right now with just the hor- horrific events in Ukraine, the the anti-war protesters being arrested in Russia. I mean, the women and children being shelled in Ukraine. How do we make sense of this? What, what let, and right, it comes up and you, it, it kind of makes you uncomfortable. You're like, I don't know if this was planned. This is pretty bad. But to me, it's like, well, no, we got to move towards that, that, that hesitance. What lessons of, of humanity did we plan? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And for this, where, what, where can love shine through? I think, in my mind, it brings up uh, an issue we often discuss, and that is in addiction and alcoholism, what you find is what's called the gift of desperation. And that is that someone hits a bottom that that is so rough that it energizes. They're kind of bouncing off the bottom and rising back up. And we all know that addiction, alcoholism is very dangerous and can be very fatal, Um, you know, with uh, I think a, a record annual loss to opioid crisis as of May of 2021 with 100,000 Americans dying of opiate uh, and other drug overdoses. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because I believe this notion of a collective gift of desperation uh, is what's going on with these hardships. You know, we look at this war in Ukraine, it's horrible, and it's because Putin can lie to his people. It's the only way he can even get away with it. That obviously won't last forever. And uh, the rest of the world is suffering because of a lot of this. But I would say that that always offers opportunities. I mean, we see the tremendous humanitarian shows of love and compassion of the neighboring countries, of Poland, of Romania, uh, Moldova, and uh, other countries that are accepting these refugees, and an outpouring of condemnation from most of the civilized world for uh, Putin's uh, war crimes. 
Um, and I believe as tough as and horrible as the situation is, that there are tremendous opportunities for growth and learning. I think for one thing, what this world is learning is as soon as we get out of this uh, um, acute conflict of, of Putin massacring uh, innocent uh, Ukrainians, is we all need to have a very serious discussion about getting nuclear weapons off this planet. They were a giant mistake. I mean, we they, they served a purpose in World War II. They probably saved... Uh, a few million lives at the end of that conflict by ending the war much more quickly. Uh, but they're not serving any useful purpose now. And it's high time that all civilized countries absolutely insisted on denuclearization. I know there was some progress on that front under the Obama administration. And once we get through this mad period with Putin, and once the Russians figure out just how badly he's lied to them and damaged their country through his lies, through this uh, kind of egotistical, narcissistic uh, rage. Uh, anyway, I think that there are some beautiful lessons that we can learn that will improve our world and make it a safer place. But, of course, we have to get through this uh, this uh, imminent tragedy that's unfolding right now. And let me just point out, it's it's it comes off when you... If, you, if you're someone who's watching the news and seeing all this tragedy, this kind of ex- explanation comes off, can come off a little empty. Oh, we, we planned this so that we could learn these lessons. Yeah. is very, very challenging it's a hard to sell. hear. Yeah. And so what, what's, but we need to compare it to, say, our um, personal struggles. When we're in the middle of a personal struggle, when we're right in the middle of it, when we're right in the middle of going through it is not the time no. to start to analyze it from that larger perspective, right? <laughs> it's after we get through it. And so hearing this now from this larger perspective, that perspective won't come until we're actually through it. So it can be very challenging to hear. And very often people have asked us, you know, what can we do now? How can we help now? We're so far away. And of course, we say you can do the obvious Donate money to reputable, please check them out, reputable organizations. You can volunteer in your local community for different efforts that are going on. But you can also hold your spiritual energy in a different way. So many of us, when these things happen in the world and we hear about nuclear bombs, we immediately go into a fear response. And if we can find a way to instead find a compassion response. This will, you know, we are of the understanding and living in a mindful universe spells out this concept that we're all part of one mind. All of humanity is part of this one mind, or I would even say one heart. And that heart is connected. And so we can feel the pain of others, but we don't want to fall into that pain and feel fear. We're sitting in, you know, a beautiful countryside of Virginia that isn't getting bombed, that isn't, you know, we're not being threatened. So to be fearful ourselves is a little, is not quite the right response. But if we can find that feeling of compassion, and the reason that compassion can really help is once we start to feel this sort of uh, gratitude or compassion or any kind of loving feelings in the heart, heart math research tells us that those Uh, that energy is spreading out to the world around us. Your Delta Force remote viewers understand that that energy is going out there. And, you know, some of those guys have developed the ability to talk about love in a pretty meaningful fashion. Uh, But it's interesting to see that dichotomy. At any rate, feeling these feelings of love, knowing that they're emanating to the world, the Ukrainians in particular are an especially compassionate society. I, I see them talk and they are very grounded. They're very certain. They're very inspiring. They're very peaceful. They're kind. They're loving. And they have the capacity to receive this love. Not everyone does. You know, if you're a starving child in Africa, you know, the first thing you can think about is, uh, you know, getting some food, not necessarily receiving love. But we've seen the Ukrainians have that capacity. And so any of us who have the capacity ourselves to emanate that love to the universe, know that it can be received by them. And anyone who's a refugee in a bad situation anywhere who can't generate those kind of feelings, know that it's your opportunity to receive the love that humans from all over the planet are feeling and sending towards you. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to remember. I mean, Karen mentioned, uh, you know, some of the obvious steps we can take, like donating to the right charity, of uh, uh, calling our Congress people to support certain initiatives and all that. 
Uh, but never forget the power of prayer. Prayer has tremendous ability to help in healing. Uh, we certainly see this in individuals and uh, praying for others. I mean, often it can have a, a very beneficial result. And, and don't forget that praying uh, for all souls involved in this conflict, praying for the Ukrainians and all the beautiful people uh, helping them, um, and I would add to that praying for the Russian soldiers who have been lied to, Absolutely. Uh, sent into this debacle of Putin, his, his craziness. Um, and so we really need to pray for all souls involved and bring love into this equation through our heart, through our prayers, uh, in our thinking. And I think that helps us to be more resilient to some of the, the damage that can often lead people into fear and anxiety. And uh, it's not to say, I don't want to come off as some kind of, you know, new age, oh, love is all there is, when in fact, that is the truth. Love needs to be a factor. But when you feel that... Don't worry, we lost 90% of the people in the first 10 seconds, and I don't care. (laughs) It's fine. Let (laughs) them go. Let them go. doesn't matter. If you're you're feeling anger and frustration, which of course is very challenging to not feel when you see some of these images, you you take that anger and frustration into your action, but you do it from a loving place because you want to help. And uh, we've seen examples of this all over. I mean, the Jewish people especially are so good at this because they've had so much tragedy. We were just watching a a rabbi who has um, gathered the network of all of these charitable organizations together to assist. And, you know, we can help by donating money or, or helping their cause in some fashion. Not all of us have money to donate, but there's always a way to help. It makes me think of, uh, I think it's a, I think we've talked about this quote before, Baba Ramdas talking about how, you know, once you've, once you've overcome something that's difficult to love, you then move on to the next most difficult thing. And so he would have pictures every morning of people he loved and it would be like Buddha, Mother Mary, it'd be a picture of his own mother. It'd be, um, I can't, I can never remember his guru, Neem Curly Baba, his guru. And then there'd be people, there'd be friends that maybe he had falling out with and, he would look at them and be like, I, you know, I love you. And then as that one got better, he would go do the next harder grudge. And all the way down the line, he said the one he could always had problems with was was Secretary of Defense Casper Weinberger under Ronald Reagan. And he would uh-huh. always he would I, I, I've, I, I've said it a million. Excuse me. I said he hit a wall on that one. He I know. And I just always love hearing Ram Dass and his beautiful voice. And he'd, he'd, he'd reenact what he does every morning. He'd be like, good morning, Buddha. He'd be like, good morning, Mother. You know, good morning, Neem uh, uh, Baba. Hello, Casper. And he would just, <laughs> but he said he. There's always someone, right? But, uh, There's always someone that's going to hit our triggers. Well, and those, those are the curious ones. Those are the ones that kind of trigger feelings inside of us, as you just described. Those are the ones we want to pay attention to because it's not the person themselves. It's what is, what are they triggering inside of us? And what is that feeling that is preventing us from finding that love? And so that's a process that really uh, everyone can go through. I love that. I would say one of the um, main kind of discoveries of my near-death experience was to realize that some of the people who before my coma I might see as my nemesis or my enemy, someone who's preventing me from getting something that I thought I needed and wanted in life. Uh, But after my coma, I came to realize that often the the most uh, dire-looking ones were kind of the nearest and dearest soulmate, and that we were, in fact, trying to teach each other especially um, challenging lessons. So I I really opened my mind much more to accepting uh, that kind of uh, conflict uh, with others uh, as part of the transformation, part of the energy that helps us to grow into a much more mature soul. I think you have to move towards that that pain you know it's like the quotes about like like free speech like free speech isn't that what you agree with it's that which boils your blood and that whole story about like casper weinberger i find myself going like yes pray for the ukrainian people and then you're like you're like pray for the ukrainian soldiers and then you're like pray for the russian soldiers like they're they're in their and they're protecting their homeland and it you know that's what they genuinely believe and i find myself like where's the where does it start to get uncomfortable and I have to pause and I'm like, I'm like, you have to pray for Putin. And I say that and you feel it and you're like, no, you're like, excuse my French, you're like, fuck that guy. But that's the line. That's the growth. If it feels easy, there's no growth there. When I'm working out, if I'm not sweating, that's not a workout. You got to pick up the dumbbells you don't want to pick up. 
But you can feel, I can, I have developed a capacity to feel compassion for Putin because what about him? What What drove that? Yeah, what part of humanity is missing in him that can cause him to make these kind of decisions? And it really makes me want to figure out and, and help him through what is that baby wound that he had that has put him in this kind of situation? And if he could heal, if Putin himself could heal, that would solve everything from the top down. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's possible. And it, it's, it sounds very blithe and kind of uh, foolish, as, I, as, yeah, I, forward, as yeah. I might say, right, <laughs> to, to think that that's possible. But um, love is all there is. And, and we have to do both, right? We have to do the physical world actions. But to continue to ignore the spiritual realm and the spiritual approach, to just completely ignore it as it won't make any difference, that's our peril. And I think that's the one opportunity be, simply due to the spirit of these Ukrainian people. One of it is their ability to actually communicate with the Western world, because many who have been put into this situation, their cities being pummeled uh, by Putin and others. Um, we haven't had, you know, reporters embedded with the victims of the war explaining to us what's going on in real time. That's new. What's also new is the level of condemnation that's come around the world um, in a very unified fashion. And I would say our world has been very fractured. And somehow it's this hardship that's bringing us back together. And when I say us, of course, we have to acknowledge it's the Western world. Yeah. And and uh, that's what's coming together. We haven't quite seen it from all parties in the world yet. But the Western world was very fractured. And I would say that has a lot to do with the propaganda and Russian efforts over many decades to create that fracture. Right. And it was happening in Europe, in the U.S. And now suddenly, because of him as well, we're all unified. And so that feels good. It feels good to see Congress in the U.S. coming together over some issues. It feels good to think that some of my fellow uh, Americans are uh, on the same page on a given issue. And so I think that that's another gift that comes is this unification. And if we can stay unified and if we can stay, uh, you know, unified towards the, uh, I'll say, uh, reduction of authoritarianism in the world, uh, even totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is what's going on now. Uh, it's gotten even worse. But if we can, if we can stay unified, and it's it's you know, Evan has has said you know it's it's we can really look at it as you know democracy versus authoritarianism. You know, the people versus the the authoritarians. And so this is our opportunity. Now that the world is becoming more unified, we've been tending towards that. And now that we, the West has become more unified, we can start to have that influence once again, because of course we know that the people around the world love the idea of democracy, whether they live in a democracy or not. It's a very appealing, attractive kind of uh, belief system. And I would say the other interesting observation is how when you look at, uh, from our uh, perspective, how so much of what Putin is doing is so evil, it's kind of a, a good lesson, though, in how the universe uh, tends to then uh, give you the lesson you need. And the lesson Putin's getting out of this is the exact opposite of what he was trying to do. He's trying to ex- expand uh, Russian uh, hegemony and, and control over the world. And, and, what destroy, he's actually, and destroy NATO. And destroy NATO and destroy uh, you know Ukraine. And what he's actually doing, he's brought the U.S. political division together. We're, we're united. And not only that, he's really united the U.S. Uh, with NATO in many ways. And Europe and American cooperation to stand against Putin is really going to be the ultimate result of Putin's actions. So it's a beautiful uh, instruction in how the universe often, you know, it may not give us what we ask for, but it certainly gives us what we really need to grow. And Ukrainians themselves have said that they've become more unified, probably more than anyone else, that they had their own fractures going on and uh, not anymore. They are all unified. And so if that's what we were looking for, We've got it. I, and I was. I was I was really wanting unity. I was not happy with the fractures. And here we have it. And we have it because of a hardship. So it's very, uh, humanity is very interesting how we choose to grow. And we have to look at it that way. We're all a part of this, but it's not necessarily conscious. It's not coming from that ego mind, as Evan right. says, like, 
we make our intention for how our day is going to roll out. You know, that's not, it comes from a deeper place, a, a place inside each of us that's connected to this greater whole that has a different perspective on what's going on. And part of that perspective, of course, is that when we die, our consciousness doesn't end. And so all of those soldiers who are dying, we often hear about um, uh, from mediums and others who study these phenomena that, you know, where where war took place, there may often be a lot of souls that are still struggling mm-hmm. with that. And that may be taking place in Russia right now. And those souls need our help. Those souls that have escaped from the physical body also need our help in realizing that they can now move on. But that's a whole other angle. Uh, but, but what I'm very comforted by is that the civilians, the children who are being bombed, their awareness hasn't flashed out. They've continued on to another realm and uh, they're going through healing processes. And that's what, that's what comforts me. And that they will have another opportunity if they desire to come back and be in a body and hopefully come back with lessons of hardship in war that that they then bring forward to prevent such things from happening again. You often hear Europeans talking about how they never imagined, you know, tanks rolling across their land like they did in World War II. We haven't had that here. We haven't had such things. But those memories just came back and they're thinking, how could this be happening again? Well, now we have a whole other generation of people who hopefully are going to be saying that same thing, never again and making all the moves uh, that we had been making to prevent that from happening. I would say the only other thing I'd like to mention at this point is uh, as part of the science of consciousness and um, knowing of of near-death experiences is kind of the tip of the spear in our modern emergence of understanding of the nature of reality. It's important to point out life reviews have been described for thousands of years across all belief systems. So ultimately, no matter what and how a Putin is dealt with uh, in this material world, um, he's going to have a life review where all of this is something he'll have to live through from the perspective of those who are affected by his actions. People often ask us about Hitler. What happens to Hitler when he dies? Does he go to heaven or hell? And Evan will talk about, well, he must be having this horrific life review that's still going on because you have to feel the pain that you've uh, put onto others from their perspective. And that was six million Jews and, and countless other oh, victims. 50-plus 50, 50 million uh, victims of World War II. So. Yeah, and so that's uh, now that's we have a feature. new now we have a new person <laughs> yeah. to focus on that that's more uh, palpable. That's more we've seen it firsthand. Hitler is some kind of you know historical figure it's, that none of us alive really had. Well, some of us alive had to deal with him, but not all. I did not, yeah. and so now I do. I have a reference point that I'll never forget. Yeah, and it's. It's um, yeah. It's it's moving. What you said earlier about you know like hard to love. You know, I think of someone like like Hitler. On on one hand, it's like you read about accounts of like how his dad would beat him and his dog when he was a kid, and he oh. would he would wake up like a day later, and he mm. and the dog would be laying there in like a pile of or a puddle of urine, and he never knew if it was himself or his dog because his father would beat them to the point where. I don't think uh, even out of fear, it was just the body uh, uh, unconsciously just released urine. And I think about that and you go, all right, well, that's not the loving home I was raised in. And then you go and read about the Einsatzgruppen in Auschwitz and you go, "Uh, yeah, that doesn't really balance out. But the point is, is so how do you love that person? I think, again, it was Ramdas saying that although in an ideal world, like, the, his love of Casper Weinberger would eventually change him. And although it didn't, and I don't think Ram Dass was uh, naive about that, I do believe it was Ram Dass that said, it's more about your own personal. It's like when people say forgiveness isn't for the person being forgiven. It's for the person that's doing the forgiveness. They are right. they're showing themselves that they are letting go of hatred. When I think of how do I love Hitler, and that's going to be taken out of context in five years. How do I love Hitler? How do I love Putin? How do I love Stalin? How do I love the the, the masterminds of 9-11 or the, the ISIS members who decapitate handcuffed people? I don't, I don't really have, I would like to, but I don't believe it's going to change them 
for me, it's, am I capable of that in my heart? And again, for anybody in Ukraine, just if the day after my brother died, if Dr. Alexander came up and said, Tommy, you actually planned this, I would have punched you in the face. I'm very, I'm very aware that everything we're saying right now is, it's not something I'm going to insert in other people's lives. I, again, you guys are in Virginia. I'm in Maryland in a leather chair. We're not in Kiev. I get it. But you said, you said something interesting though. You said that, you know, when you love, when you develop that love for Stalin, for Putin, for Hitler, that you're really not going to change them. The point is not to change them. The point, just like forgiveness, is to change yourself yeah. and have that capacity. And so what I do is I imagine a world where everyone has that capacity. If each of us has that capacity, we don't need to worry exactly. about anyone else, right? We all have that from within. And I believe that's our birthright. When children are born, um, they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> Little babies are happy and smiling. And it's, it's the experiences they go through that starts to shape you know, how they uh, respond later in life. But uh, p- children are basically born happy. So uh, they were showing on the news that we've been watching um, a woman in Kiev in a, in a shelter, and she's got three young children. She has no plans to leave. And one of them is a baby about six months old mm-hmm. or so. This baby, she says, you know, people ask her, you know, how can you keep a baby in that setting? And she's like, well, the baby doesn't know what's going on. And the baby actually plays a very important role because the baby is so happy and smiley that she cheers everyone up. And so that I imagine a world where everyone is like that and you don't have anyone who's spewing out the other kind of energy. So wishful thinking i don't know but one person at a time we can do this and Mm -hmm. thanks to people like you tommy as well for talking about these kinds of things even though you're also talking about delta force and you know (laughs) army stuff and i love 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 that you're bringing that thread into your podcast because we all can do this and it doesn't matter if you're a warrior or a you know, a mother. We all have this capacity. Well, remember, warriors can be professing uh, that love of humanity. And that's often, um, you know, as an American, I like to believe uh, that that is what our military is like. I know there are many exceptions, but by and large, I would say that uh, a tremendous number of people around the world have been very, uh, uh, you know, Blessed. Blessed <laughs> with, uh, you know, the arrival of, of troops to help protect them against, um, you know, brutal dictators well, and, and things like that. Well, you're seeing it in the Ukrainian army. Someone was commenting that we either see pictures of them, you know, firing missiles or they're carrying children over, you know, evacuation routes. elderly people so, over yeah, burned-out bridges someone, and all that stuff. Someone was commenting between the difference between the Russian approach, their military approach, which is basically destruction, and the other military approach, which is defense and helping out the people who are suffering. And so that the Ukrainians really have, the commenter uh, was stating, turned themselves into a very Western type of army, armed forces, where they they do both. Mm -hmm. And it's very inspiring, I have to say. They're turning into uh, NATO forces themselves. They're behaving Mm -hmm. that same way. So. It um, it it does uh, again with the kind of talking about you know Dr. Alexander's uh, proof of heaven and then versus talking to like Dr. Dale Graff or the Delta Force guy who ironically enough is Dr. Dale Comstock but like and you see you go oh this is on a kind of again the pyramids on the other side of the world what uh, what uh, Karen brought up earlier. And what Dr. Alexander brought up, which I believe is a reference to proof of heaven, where a little bit of evil does exist in the universe because it provides mm-hmm. learning points from it. You can't, you can't have nothing. You can't, you can't enjoy a hot shower unless you know what it's like when the hot water runs out, right? You have to have that polarity. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of um, that sort of evil point of so uh, just the other day, two days ago, yesterday. I don't remember. They run together. I had on a CIA, uh, former CIA officer, uh, 20-year intelligence analyst, Claire Lopez, I have her on every week. And uh, who, the farthest person from the discussion we have right now, if I said this stuff to her, she'd look at me like I had two heads. But she said the same point, though. She said, uh, just from her mind, she goes, oh, like a weakening and slowly falling apart NATO force is now tightening up, buckling together, realizing that people like us, the world isn't all milk and honey and roses and rainbows. But so again, there's, there is sort of that, 
that beautiful there is purpose to it and again we say all of this i'm in an air-conditioned apartment with a refrigerator full of food and i have a blanket on and i'm sitting in front of an imac and i'm my own boss like i'm blessed beyond description rightfully so anyone even remotely near ukraine would probably want to shoot me if they heard me talking about it in the detached manner i am in the same way that i couldn't possibly have this conversation coming up this April, eight years ago, about my brother. Nonetheless, it doesn't make it any less, right? It's it's the Dr. Alexander, I imagine you would have experience with it. It's like the chief of medicine at a hospital being like, okay, like I know we just treated all these burn victims from a school bus that caught on fire. Now we got to talk about the medical billing. And everyone looks at them like they're Satan, but it, that's also the world we live in. And that that is a factor. So all of this is, and uh, Miss Newell, as you said earlier, people are gonna write us off. As, trust me, it's done. It's people. What you like about my ability to have different people on? I'll have. I love having on people from all all walks of things. Uh, most people don't like the people on one side. I can't. Why are you bringing on military guys? And the military guys are like, "Are you stupid, or do you just not?" I get it. I already know the comments are going to be hateful. That's uh-huh. fine. I don't think it makes the discussion any less pertinent if we can talk about hitler now you know 77 years removed it doesn't mean that the same conversation couldn't be had 77 years from now about what's going on so if it's if it's valid in 77 years then it's valid now so i think we can and should talk about it but yeah it's hard to you want you want to feel nothing but love and at the same time it's we have this beautiful conversation and then you go and look at like a i could we could end this podcast and i could you know the next most trending video on twitter could be uh you know i saw i saw a video two days ago it was like just like a like a traffic camera and it just shows like two kids walking and then a shell explodes like 20 feet away and the next image are these kids probably no older than six with no arms yeah. and you look at it oh. and it just like a bucket of cold water you're like that's there's there's blood there's muscle there's tissue it just smacks you in the face and then you look back and go okay now we got to try to love putin and you're like what the hell did you just say yeah. it's I'm talking myself in circles now. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. The thing so. is, you gotta. You, I, I think an important thing is to meet people where they are, right? And so sure. we don't say we don't say you gotta love Putin. That, that's like the furthest, you know, yeah. final step, yeah. right? Yeah. You start way, way back. Let's just start with compassion for the Ukrainian people sure. and what they're going through, and then move from there, right? And so. Uh, and as much as I'm a fan of you know prayer and, and love and all that, the bottom line is you've got to also live that truth in this world. We we grow as souls through our actions in this world. And, so, and Evan gets plenty of expresses plenty of anger and frustration over this. It's not right. we don't sit around and just do love. We do both. We do both, but but also we have to live effectively to try and bring that love into reality, and that. That means sending stinger missiles and javelins to the Ukrainians. That's, that's a huge part reality. of this love to defend innocent people against a brutal military onslaught. Uh, and there's just no getting around that. Um, it's, you know, it's, you've made beautiful points about the power of things like gratitude and forgiveness. I think those are two of the most underutilized powers we have as human beings to make our lives much better. But it also involves taking action uh, for justice, for the right things to uh, transpire. And we can never lose sight of that as much as, you know, I might hold uh, those, uh, all those beautiful Ukrainian people and and, uh, other Europeans in my heart with uh, great love. Uh, I have to remember also that uh, the Russian soldiers have been lied to and sent on this mission by a madman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really, you know, we have to be practical about it, but also try and maintain a spiritual balance and uh, kind of the power of that love is to ultimately heal all of us. So uh, it's something that we, we need to invoke and, and also remember 
uh, the notion of forgiveness. I've seen several of the Ukrainians uh, interviewed on TV in the last few days say they could never forgive Putin. Um, but you but know, that's now. And that's, that's now. now. And also remember that, uh, as you pointed out, uh, the, the greatest uh, benefactor of uh, forgiveness is the forgiver. And it liberates them from the shackles of holding except themselves. Their, except their homes have just been destroyed by bombs and their father may be dead. And, you know, so you got to meet them where they are. I right agree. now they need I compassion. Agree. They need compassion yeah. and they need military aid and humanitarian aid and yeah. food. And they need, uh, and they from need my point of view, a no-fly zone is a, is a reasonable yeah. way to go. I mean, mm-hmm. In some way, we need to protect them from um, death from above. And, you know, and you said it earlier with atomic weapons. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at someone like Desmond Doss, right? The the guy that would, wouldn't carry a gun and then it's a beautiful story and it starts out and they all hate him and they're like, we're going to kill you on the field. And then it ends with like, you know, he's got his he own. Saved per- so many lives. Yeah. He yeah. saved 75 lives so in one lives. night. Yeah. On just, a, phys- just physically. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, just physically. His prayers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not only that. And the other soldiers would like walk around. And if so, if any other soldier was like, that guy's a pacifist, you'd have a hundred just grizzled Marines who are, were not like that standing around him and being like over our dead bodies. So I look at someone like Doss is able to exist because there are men who do, do the dirty work. And with the atomic bomb, I mean, how, right, how do you justify 150,000 men, women, and children being vaporized? I, I can tell you how. Not just the whole, well, it saved this many. My dad's dad was 18 and was going to be part of the mainland invasion. That's cannon fodder. That was going to make D-Day look like a picnic. Yeah. I couldn't, I rationally cannot defend not dropping the bomb because I wouldn't be here to make any argument otherwise. So... You see that on one hand. And as you said, Dr. Alexander, I mean, some people might find this funny as we're sitting here in one minute saying we got to love them. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, man, you just got to send the nukes. It's there's a very, again, to quote Ram Dass, he was like, you may be a child of light with love in your eyes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't know your zip code and where the tax office is like exactly. <laughs> head in the clouds, feet on the ground. I've also been inspired uh, not just by the Ukrainian people, but by the foreigners who are going there to help with the fight. That includes Americans, Europeans, many others, uh, Koreans who have just decided democracy is too important and they're fighting for a cause. And so many of them are expressing that they haven't had the opportunity to fight for a cause like this. And, uh, you know, these young guys never had World War II kind of situations. So they're thrilled to be able to use their skills. And I have such gratitude for those who have those skills, who take them and use them where they can be most needed, most where they are most needed. I certainly don't have those skills. I would never pretend to be any kind of warrior. I would certainly help if I was there in any way I could, but the way many others are assisting. But to, to lift up a gun for me is, is not my thing. And so I'm very grateful for those who do have those skills. And, you know, we have our skills. We all contribute in our own way. And, uh, again, I'm so grateful for those soldiers, even though I'm so anti-violence, anti-gun. I know when it's needed, and it's needed for self-defense against a madman. Well, murder and killing is ultimately a violation of, of basic spiritual principles of the universe. But in, in this kind of situation, what you're looking at is, is uh, sending those stingers and, and the javelin missiles participates in decreasing the killing of innocent civilians right. and children. Right. So uh, the, the net effect of, of that action uh, is to diminish uh, murder and suffering. And, and that's ultimately what we all need to be focused on is helping our fellow beings and bringing uh, you know, peace and love to this world, but that sometimes requires that you have to send in the stingers and the javelins because uh, otherwise the, the, those forces of, of evil, which is exactly what uh, Putin is right now, uh, just completely violate uh, so many uh, kind of spiritual principles. Again, as we've said, ultimately we are, are to learn from all this and learn never again. That ultimately will be the, the deep lesson and and getting rid of the nukes completely, that's insane. In fact, I, I vote for getting rid of all warfare. Uh, to me, me war, warfare is a complete 
uh, you know, ruse that authoritarians, dictators, power mongers, narcissists foist upon the world. And uh, all warfare ultimately is just a horrible kind of sin against humanity. We need to obliterate warfare from human activity. And it feels like, it felt like that's where the Western world was headed. And of course, I am not naive enough to uh, misunderstand the U.S. has has committed its own mistakes abroad and and elsewhere. But uh, generally speaking, uh, we were on that pathway. Comments about less war in the world and this and that, withdrawing from other areas and and it's now everything seems to have changed uh but hopefully hopefully this will bring an end to it all because we realize i must say it's very saddening for me because i i know raising my two boys who are now uh 34 and and, uh, 23 years old um i was always happy that we were moving away from the you know my childhood when we had bomb shelters uh i remember mocking cover duck and cover and i found out years later that duck and cover the school i was in was half a mile from a western electric radar plant that was essential for the nike uh, missile defense system we would have had megatons exploding that desk would not have been very helpful at all in fact my mother i remember when our neighbors built a seven-room bomb shelter she said well if, if we get to that point we're going to go out in the yard and watch the fireworks I've, and by the I've, time i was born i was uh, i'm 10 years later than evan we had no such things ever ever mentioned so i was yeah. i was hoping all those days were over we thought we're it was over. away from them but unfortunately putin kind of brooding in his COVID isolation dreaming back a hundred years you know all of that uh, anyway, I won't go yeah. into any detail, but it's it saddens me greatly that the world has taken this horrible turn for the worse with this war in Ukraine. It makes me, I've, yeah, I've had on uh, some ICBM experts before, and they talked about growing up, and they're like, yeah, my dad always said if war was happening, because he lived like a mile away from like, I don't know, it was like Beale Air Force Base, where the B, he's like, oh, we're going on the roof and we're getting a nuclear uh, suntan. Yeah. But what I wanted to say was, you know, everything I have to... I can't just talk about playing devil's advocate. I have I have to actually be devil's advocate for myself. And, you know, I have to kind of, what's the opposing view of everything I'm taking right now? And, I, you know, I think of all the military guys I have interviewed. Dale, the Delta Force guy, uh, Joe Teddy, Green Beret, Don Workman, uh, Marine, Miguel Pereira, Marine, J.P. Veriano, Air Force, Nick Phelps, Air Force, Dan Libby, Air Force, all these guys I've had on. Joe Kent, who's running for Congress out of Washington State, former Special Forces, former CIA. His wife, also Special Forces, an analyst, was killed by a suicide bomb in January 2019 in, in, in Syria. He's raising two little kids on his own. And I see that guy who is, if anyone can speak on sacrifice, it's him. And he's saying, not our fight. And I look at that and I go, I can't disregard that. Everything we're saying right now, and I agree with uh, uh, Dr. Evan Alexander, Miss Newell, I agree with everything we've said here. But for my own like mental exercise, I have to go, what are all these guys saying? Uh, I, I look at all the other Marines who have, they've ser- they're younger than me. And they've, they're miss, uh, uh, Seb- uh, Sebastian, um, I can't remember, I can't pronounce his last name, I've had him on here, my age, uh, missing an arm. He has a prosthetic arm. And he's the most positive person in the world. And I, I look at him and, and he's saying like, hey, yeah, no, I get it. But uh, are you sending your kids? And so I look at all these guys who are, you would say, traditionally are, you know, conservative war hawks. And they're all sitting here saying my heart goes out to them. I'm not going over. And well, I, I think we I, th- I think we agree with that. Too, sure. Though. Sure. But we're supplying the. the yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you know, my, my, no, 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 yeah. no, no. My, my, my point is, is, no, I agree with you. My point is, is I have to look at I have to be very, again, very aware of us in a very comfortable place. And whereas yeah. I look at my loss with my brother, these guys have those same tattoos on their shoulders those same pictures on their walls and they're looking at this and they're going oh no i do feel bad man leave me out of it and i can't i can't discount them i have i have to love everyone and i have to go the naivety of me to say they don't understand it who who am i to say that and vice versa i'm sure they're all sitting if in a world i'm sure they're all 
Actually, I know for a fact a lot of my military friends who watch this are going to watch this and they're going to go that they're going to go that Tommy he his head's in the clouds. He has no idea the sacrifice that's out there and I can only imagine one of them would say like let's at least try to see where he's coming from. And so like I have to do that. I have to go where are they coming from? And it's you know, I do that, Tommy. I love that you said that because I do that all the time, um, especially when the, the political divide has been so extreme. I'm always reading both sides. The fact that they're to. even such extreme sides is, is so interesting. Oh. But I want to know. I want to know where did these deep seated beliefs that seem so strange to me, where do they come from? Yeah. And I think it's highly important that we read or expose ourselves to many different sources, not just for politics, but for medical kind of, you know, treatments for um, uh, environmental approaches, everything, Uh, parenting styles, you know, read a lot of different opinions uh, before you just sort of consider one to be the gospel truth. And this applies to religious beliefs as well. You know, it's important to understand that there are so many ways of looking at the world. And we tend to think that if people don't think like we do, that somehow they need to change and think like us. But that's not true. So I love that you said that. And I love that you said those military guys do the same thing, at least some of them, that they'll say, well, maybe we should try. I like to say we try on, like we go into a, you're always using analogies, right? So you're going to try on a new sweater or a new coat. How does it look? Yeah, pretend that you believe that. Where is that coming from? And I do that all the time, put myself in that other point of view. And it's not easy, especially with all the polarization going on, but I think it's highly critical. And I've been following propaganda and conspiracy theory for many, many years. (laughs) And I can tell you, this one is really kind of falling flat, uh, this idea that somehow the Ukrainians are killing their own people. Um, I've heard that before being used as uh, excuses for things. And I've kind of wondered, well, I wonder, gosh, I really wonder. But this time I'm like, no way, absolutely no way. This is not the case. And so it's kind of refreshing to see uh, a a little with a little more clarity this time around, I have to say. Yeah, I look at again, uh, you know, I look at someone like Joe Kent. And maybe if, if someone had never heard of him, or I've, I've had the honor of interviewing a couple of times, maybe you've never heard of him, you'd see this guy going, this isn't our war, uh, you know, we can't afford this. And people would be like, that guy, you know, how can he, how can he wear, you know, how can he wear the flag as a, you know, as a means to get into office and then go against it. And then you go and like, look at like, you know, his reasoning and he posted a video like yesterday and it's him with his two kids and it's like a, a picture of, of his late wife and he's like i he's like i this is why i can't do it and then you look at it and you go how is that any less of a position of love than my own it's very easy to go oh they just don't want it and then you go talk to me you go why how come you don't want to give the people the help and it's you know the the guy will pull up his arm and it's like the initials of his like five friends he lost in an ied in iraq and you're like yeah well, these guys, you have to respect their point of view, yeah. just like I respect the point of view of those who are yeah. ready to yes. fight, who yes. don't have children yes. yet, right? Who yeah. are willing to put the, well, some of them do have children um, that, we, uh, that we've that we seen. But yeah, but yeah I, I think that the idea that we all can make our own choice is what's uh, critical here, and that there are enough of us to make the different choices, those who are going to, you know, take care of their children and those that are going to go fight. We need both. Yeah. So more power to them. Yeah. I, I respect it. Yeah. I've, I've, and some of the military guys I've talked to, on the other hand, are like, yeah, no, this is what I'm willing to do. This is what yeah. I'm. And I so know. I'm just like, I just sit back and I'm like, the very least what I have to do is go, what is everyone's reasoning? It's so easy to imagine that people disagree with you are like twiddling their mustache and they're like, I just want to see people die. And then you talk to them and you're like, oh, wait, this person's trying to come from as much of a point of love as I am. And you're like, this is, but ultimately I think it does kind of all boil down to you're like, in a weird way, it's also kind of comforting because you go 99.9% of people are operating from a point of love. We perceive it differently as they disagree with me. They want a no-fly zone. They do want a no-fly zone. And then if you talk to them and you're like, you know, the upside is, is everyone actually is doing what they genuinely think is right. 
Yeah. To me, that's everybody's trying their best. Yes. To me, that's what they have. So. And with that, what a beautiful ending. It's 11 on the nose. I'm going to have several missed calls, but I don't care. That was a wonderful conversation. I don't, Thank re- you. I don't regret that at all. Tommy. Thanks so much for having us on. Babe. Yeah, it's been fun. It, it's been interesting talking about world events because very often we talk about these concepts in a more They're kind of abstract. esoteric, detached, yeah, abstract way. And now it's how do we apply these comments in a yeah. real world event? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's 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 studying the equations and memorizing them and then you get the practice test and you're like oh this is actually kind of difficult and it's like yeah, we have exactly. these beautiful ideas and it's like all right game time how do you and you're like oh uh you know it's but you know and i i always say this i karen and dr alexander i genuinely do love you both it means the world to talk to you guys it fills me it fills my heart and i can say from the bottom of my heart i love you both Thank you for oh, coming. Thank you, Tommy. We love you, Tommy. We and love you and too. you're doing some real good for this world, getting these views out there. So thank you. Sir. Thanks for all that you do. And thank keep you. it up. Yep. I will email this to you when it's up. Guys, all, all the right. links right, to the books you. in the description. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Dr. Alexander. Right, we'll talk soon. Yep, very much. God bless. Thanks, Stay God. safe, everybody. Thank Recording you so much. Stopped. Have a good one.